0: Welcome to Digital EDU Dialogues podcast, where we talk about higher ed strategy issues and offer practical solutions. I'm Angela Britcher, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Sheila Fry, the COO of the BAB Group. Thank you for
1: joining us today, Sheila. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think this was good that we could pull this together because obviously we had some important things to talk about that we thought we would uh, take a little extra time and talk about something special.
0: Excellent. Let's jump right in because you had a recent LinkedIn post that really resonated with a lot of people. And it was a conversation about the conversations that we need to have in higher ed. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little about that post and uh, the reaction that you got.
1: Yeah, there's, as we all know, there's a lot of things in the news right now. There's good stories, there's bad stories, there's success stories, there's failures, there's everything happening in higher ed right now. And it's in a state of flux. So there's a lot of institutions that are having to take a lot of hard look at maybe what they're going to do, how are they going to be able to step forward and be successful. Um, So it was just something that really stuck out and seemed to resonate with a lot of people because we had a lot of comments on it and everyone addressing, yes, this is important and we are kind of at a tipping point right now.
0: Talk a little bit more about this idea that we've got this current state of higher ed, and we need to be making some strategic decisions to get to the
1: next in higher ed and overcome some of these hurdles. Yep, absolutely. It's all about having to decide what you're going to do. Are you going to expand to new programs? Are you going to add new courses? Are you maybe going to begin an online program if you haven't done so already? Expand your online program. Um, Is your faculty prepared? You know, Those types of the decisions are the hard ones that Take some time, take those required people to sit down and and really make a decision on what you're going to need to do.
0: And I think one of the things that we're hearing so much of that is making news is layoffs and schools that are cutting programs. But Mm -hmm. in the conversations that we're having and that we're having with schools that are successful, it seems like they're doing the opposite. They're saying we're going to expand an online program or we're going to offer Mm -hmm. a microfinancials program. And they're really figuring out what students want. And really listening to the needs and demands of students instead of taking things away to adjust
1: a budget. Absolutely. And that's an important distinction, I believe, because it's it's easy to do the same old thing. It's easy to just cut programs and try to react in that way when you have a deficit like that. Student enrollment is a big situation right now. However, as you noted, there are schools that are complete success stories. They have added brand new programs. They are adding new online Overall, maybe they haven't had it in a more expanded manner. We see the Chloe report, different reports from Educause that know about the growth in online. Those schools that are having success are the ones that are looking at their customers, which are the students. That's very obvious. It's it's like any business model. The student in this case is your customer. They're your target market. They're looking at what those students are looking for. Is it micro-credentials? Is it the flexibility of online or, or hybrid? Or is it just new programs? It's esports management, it's it's gaming, it's it's those types of things where you can be a differentiating body to your competition, and the students are going to respond to that in in a manner that is obviously positive for your enrollment.
0: Mm-hmm. As you're talking about this and this idea of online, let's jump into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea that you have online, but Are you doing it well. Is it done well? What is the response from faculty and from students and some of the things that schools need to be thinking about as they are
1: looking to the future of their online programs and hybrid programs? That's a really good question because some institutions will say, I have an online program. It's fine, but how are you addressing those needs of those students? Is it because, is it your pandemic situation that you had when you just had a rush and you took your full face-to-face classes and put them online? that's not necessarily matching the needs of the online learner, the online modality, um, allowing faculty to excel in a way that they can. A lot of faculty are feeling unprepared. Um, They were thrown into it. Oh, you can do it and it's not the same. The needs are different, the demands are different, the expectation is different. What I think is really important that schools need to understand when it comes to their online programs is those types of students, those adult learners, They're looking for an immediate give back. What can they use today that that they're going to learn tomorrow and use it in their jobs? How can they provide value and get a ROI on their investment? Maybe it's micro-credentials, something, an extra skill or two that they'll be able to use within their particular jobs. It's very diverse, but at the same time, the big concern is is that with an online program, you as an institution are only one click away from your competition. So if a student's not happy they can easily go enroll somewhere else. So with that desire of trying to build your enrollment, perhaps transfer students, um, engage them and keep them long-term is through having high-quality online programs. Excellent. So this idea, we've got to level up
0: our online and really be providing an engaging mm-hmm. learning experience that meets the demands of all of our learners. Mm-hmm. All right, with that, we're going to take a quick 30-second break. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about faculty training and the importance of that as we think about moving into the future. Mm
1: -hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by Professor Services. Looking for a job in teaching? Need to expand your network? Want to boost your income? Whatever it is, the expert team at Professor Services has you covered. From helping higher ed faculty find new jobs, to essential tools such as cover letters and CVs, to applying to jobs for you, Professor Services equips you to nail your job search. Don't stress over the job hunt. Maximize your potential and crush your next opportunity with support from our team of experienced administrators, mentors, and educators. Discover how the team at Professor Services can help. Visit professorservices.com today to get started and kickstart your career in higher education.
0: I'm Angela Richard and I'm back with Sheila Fry, and we are going to talk about faculty trainings and the the role that that plays in future-proofing our organizations. Mm -hmm. You and I, and at the BAB group, we've talked a lot about the Chloe Report, which pointed out schools are investing in online, and that part of that needs to be getting faculty ready to teach across modalities. You and I have designed faculty trainings. We have been students in faculty trainings. Why are they more important than ever right now?
1: It's that shift, it's that change. A lot of times it's overlooked. The assumption is made, well, you're an educator, you know how to teach. That's not necessarily true. Um, The the expectation, like I talked about before, is different. Where students are looking for an online, they're looking for community. If a faculty member is not trained in how to interact, the expectations for feedback, um, how to structure courses, um, how to assess something with a rubric, um, that participative discussion environment um, that we've talked about before in an earlier podcast, creating those types of things. A student can feel very alone in an online environment, and it can be very frustrating for an instructor, too, if they don't understand how to navigate it well, how to create that community, and then and build that relationship with the students. It's not hard, but they just need to be trained on it.
0: Yeah, and understand how to do it and that it's more than I'm going to take my face-to-face class and plunk it
1: into an LMS. Absolutely, absolutely. By doing that, you you defeat a lot of purpose. One, the student doesn't understand where to find the content. It may make perfect sense to the faculty, the student doesn't know where to go. They get frustrated, they could drop, they're they're not going to persist through the course. Or, or maybe it's as simple as not doing well at all because they can't find it. The same instance, you can't take a if you're used to lecturing for an hour and you have these very long one-hour presentations that you're providing to students the online student is not likely to watch an entire hour they don't maybe don't have the time to dedicate it's not easy for them to navigate and go back to later they just don't have the for a better lack of word an attention span perhaps to sit that long to look at something so there's little secrets that you can do and structures within a course development design to make it more effective with best practices for an online student.
0: I think one of the things that I have found in when I teach the same course online and in person is traditionally we had this idea that they had to correlate one-to-one, like that we had to be providing the same experience. And what I have found is that students didn't sign up for the same experience. So they want something different. The online student wants the experience Mm -hmm. of being an online student and the face-to-face student wants that experience. So while we may be achieving the learning objectives, we're getting there in different ways because something works well online and something else works well in person. And so we might need two different types of assessments or two different types of discussions or projects
1: or ways of getting to the same learning objective. And again, back to your target audience, if it's a face-to-face one, perhaps that is more their traditional student. So when you're looking at those different types of courses and the different types of designs to exactly your point, you need to design to the student that's taking the course. So if it's someone that's an adult learner, if it's a traditional student, hybrid, online, face-to-face, whatever, we need to make sure that we're reaching them in the manner that makes sense for that modality. Yes, always teaching the students that are in front of us is what I like mm-hmm. to say.
0: Mm-hmm. Are right, we going to take another break? and when we come back, we're going to talk more about things that schools and institutions need to think about as they're creating faculty training. Mm-hmm. This episode of Digital EDU Dialogues is brought to you by the BAB Group. The demands for teaching and online learning are constantly evolving, don't get left behind. Carve out a competitive edge and give students engaging learning experiences, with support from the BAB group's team of course design experts. As experienced online faculty and instructional designers, the BAB group knows how to craft those aha moments for students and meet outcomes for every modality, online, hybrid, and face-to-face. Creating engaging, welcoming, and inclusive learning spaces for students of all ages and abilities has never been more important. Discover how the BAB group can help you by visiting their website today. I'm Angela Britcher, and I'm back with Sheila Fry and we are going to talk about the things that schools and institutions need to think
1: about as they are creating faculty trainings. Mm -hmm. Sheila, where do you like to start with schools? A, A big analysis. It really is a personal reflection. What are your pain points? What do your faculty struggle with? What are you not seeing? Are you seeing a high drop rate? Is it that students aren't enrolling and persisting through your program? Um, is it the the faculty evaluations that are coming back from students are very poor? Or the overall student analysis? So really to use a business term, you're taking a SWOT type approach with how your your faculty are doing and really looking at a critical manner on what your your your, what your programs achieved, not achieve, identify those pain points, because once you set up that and identify those items, then you can put a plan in place to develop those necessary pieces in order to address those needs.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about like what do faculty need? If you're accustomed to teaching face-to-face, and then in the emergency situation of the pandemic, put your course online, and now there's just a demand that you're going to teach a mix of online and Mm face-to-face. What are some things that we can do that schools needed to be doing to support those teachers as they consider transitioning that emergency course into a really fully engaging course for an online student
1: or hybrid student? That's the best place to start. It's a a 15-week in-person course. How do we need to change it? Just taking it from, you know, if your online is typically eight weeks and your face-to-face is 15, you just don't mag- you magically squish it down. That's not going to give you a positive learning experience looking at those documents. But the other things to consider, are your faculty, are they tech trained? Do they understand? Do they have that tech ability to be able to do that? Do they understand the modality of which they're going to do that? Do they know what the expectation is for online for your particular program do you have expectations for how many times that faculty need to be in the class that they are participating how quickly they need to turn around questions or grading those types are the expectations communicated with them um, most importantly do they know how to create a community do they know how to interact with those students it can be, you know, a student can be knocking on their computer screen and they would feel alone and you would never know. So that instructor that's able to create that community from day one, make them feel like they're, they're connected to those students, the students feel comfortable with them. It's a much more dynamic and engaging learning experience and the student then will continue and persist. Um, the grading and feedback is a big one that we see a lot of times. Um, people don't know how maybe to write effective rubrics, how to grade that way. Um, sometimes if you're used to taking a pen and paper and marking it down on, on someone's written paper, that's not going to work online. So how can you create that subjective and constructive feedback in a way that that's, uh, enables a student to improve, um, and things like that. And just regular best practices. We all, we all know as seasoned faculty, I know, you know, you and I, we've taught for a long time. Um, online and everything else and face-to-face learning we've we've learned through trial and error what is most effective and makes for a positive learning environment Mm
0: -hmm. and I want to go back to something you talked about that community of learners because I know that's so important to both you and I Mm -hmm. what are two or three things that you do that help create that
1: community of learners from day one
0: and through that week one I think is so important
1: Yeah, it's reaching out to them. It's making that initial connection so they understand. It could be as simple as a welcome email where they, oh, you're a real person. You're personable. You've reached out to me. Oh, that sounds fun. I give them a little summary of the course. Um, I try to have a fun introduction. Everybody always usually has an introduction in the online course. Sometimes it can be very stale. I might do a fun little thing that might relate to the course topic that I'm teaching or just something as fun as if you could take your dream vacation with no budget, where would you go? It gets them talking, it gets the students talking. They start to interact. You get that peer to peer exchange. And then they feel comfortable when they're going ahead with, with regular communications. But mm-hmm most importantly we talk about the discussions and creating that engagement and participation within those discussions first the design making sure they're open-ended there's something that allows the students of all learning levels to exchange and share their experiences but then you're able to build on that through the course of the week and by me modeling some of the responses i'm in there Um, kind of directing some of it. Oh, that's a really good point. How can we look at that? What are some real world instances where you can show what you're talking about? It just gets them to think about it a little more deeply so they're able to apply it perhaps in a different manner based off what they've learned. But if you jump on that, your point was saying right from the get-go is so critical because if you're able to do that in the first week, it carries over no matter how long the course is. If it's six weeks, eight weeks, five weeks, 15 weeks, they're engaged, they're excited, they're involved, and that's really what we wanna have as, as faculty. Yeah, I think it gets them connected, mm-hmm. but I
0: also think allows them some connection with me or their faculty as a human being. And then mm-hmm. again, no matter how long that course is, if they have an issue in week eight, they they remember that video from week one, they remember that discussion interaction when it was the fun introduction interaction,
1: And they feel that comfort level to reach out with questions. Yes, that's very important. Exactly your point there. If they're comfortable with you, they will reach out. They will be less afraid to ask questions when they have them. I mean, it's very easy in a class. Someone can raise their hand and ask a question online. They may not do that. But if they feel that level of comfort with you that, oh, she was really nice. She was approachable. She had a great picture of her dog. I have a dog. Uh, I can ask her a question and it will be okay they're gonna be more successful. And that as an instructor, as an institution, as whatever, that is our goal is to have students achieve as much mastery as possible, um, whether, you know, no matter the type of learning environment, face-to-face, online or hybrid. Excellent. All right,
0: let's wrap up with one last point.
1: The idea of designing something that
0: I think is crucial for faculty training when we're training online, ideas around accessibility and inclusivity and
1: how we build that into our online classrooms. Yeah, that's really important. I mean, that's a big deal to me. Um, education for all is, is something, a phrase I like to drop a lot. And, and that is also an important part of the online environment. Um, someone may not necessarily tell you if they have an accommodation or a need. Um, so we need to make sure that when we're designing them, that we can give them options. That's something I've personally been experimenting with myself in some of my own courses that I teach. That I may have one assignment that I allow someone to submit maybe two or three or four different ways. It takes a little more time from a design perspective but it allows the students to pick whichever type of deliverable that meets that best meets their skill set and what they feel most comfortable with and I've been pleasantly surprised that I still see a very diverse set but I there's ones that where they really are allowed to shine and you can tell the ones where maybe it's a mandatory video. Well, it doesn't have to be a video. Maybe you can show that mastery in another way. And when you get down to it with accessibility, with designing for accessibility and inclusivity, our goal is that someone can learn and show mastery. The mastery doesn't always have to be a project or a written paper or even a video. It could be shown in a variety of ways. So taking the extra time in the design process to be able to help faculty, whomever, able to develop those types of options really opens up the learning experience for students, and from a faculty's perspective, for my, for the ones that I teach, it's more interesting to grade because you have that diversity as well. Yeah, and I, like you said, it gives students
0: the opportunity to shine and give their best work. So again, as the, as the person doing the grading, it's just a really great experience when you get to see students that are excited about. Yeah, the, yep. the feedback
1: has been fantastic on that. I, I've done that and then conducted my own surveys with the students to you know find out: Do you like this? Do you hate it? They love it. They they love the flexibility. They love the ability to, to build on what they know personally and in the, in the tools within their own personal toolkit that they like to use. They love it. So. And so I've continued to do that with with everything else that I'm designing personally for myself. And in our conversations with clients, we try to encourage that as well.
0: Excellent. All right, Sheila, any final thoughts for us as we think ahead to 2024?
1: To start those discussions. Don't be afraid. Be, be the starter for the discussions at your institutions and your institution and yourself. You will all reap the rewards.
0: All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sheila. Thank you. The Digital EDU Dialogues Podcast is brought to you by the Educity family of companies.